I've been doing some browsing among YouTube's a wonderful thing. It's a, it can be an awful thing, and it can be a wonderful thing. For me, it's a wonderful thing because I find these guys that have taught Hebrew and Greek for many years, and they're given these little snippets of the language and how, how to work with the language. And, of course, you that know me know that I find that fascinating. So I've been doing some of that. And this first segment of this, of this message is, is about some of that. But I want to introduce you to a word that in the Hebrew, it's aharit, aharit. Now, the Hebrew pronunciation is kind of a snort on the H that my English mouth won't hardly do, but it's kind of a <laughs> rather than the rather than the ha like we would do. But it's it's like many words in our language and the Hebrew language. You know, in, in the Hebrew language you there is a physical word for head, but and it means top, literally in, in Hebrew. And you can go to the top of a mountain. You can be at the top of your game. It, the same word would apply. And, and same, same in our language. If, if you want to go to the, you can go to the head of the table. You can talk about your head. You can talk about being ahead and on and on. So the languages are similar in, in that way. But this word, aharit, uh, as it is applied to the human body, it means the back. But as it's used in, in their language and in their writing and in their speaking, it means what comes after, what comes behind. Aharit. Uh, the first scripture is in Proverbs ten nineteen. I want to show you that this, Proverbs is full of this. this. This word is used more than 500 times in the Hebrew Bible in Old and New Testament. And um, I think one out of every five of those times is in Hebrews itself. But, or excuse me, Proverbs itself, but when there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Aharit. You know, much of what God writes and has had his inspired to write, we think it's all so because God said it. That's not true. It's not quite true. God said it because it's so. And when you begin to understand that, it'll help you not to be so offended at God. Because he is using the aharit of, of, that, of, our, of our language and every language, letting us know that on the front side, if you do this, then it's going to bite you on the back side. Or it's going to bless you, one of the two. And... You just let that sink in for just a minute because this is so important. Aharit is a concept more than a word, and it's the concept of if you do this, then this will happen, and this is the obligation of a covenant-keeping God for us to understand that if you walk in his ways, that his household will come upon you. Those things that make him live the life that he lives will come upon you. But if you walk in other ways, then there will, it will cause a death, a separation of you from him, which will eventually bring about uh, physical death as well as spiritual. Now let this stuff kind of sink in for you for just a minute, because this is going to become more and more important as the message goes on. But... <clears throat> 
We need to know that, that this transfers over into the New Testament in many ways. The wages of sin is death. If you think that there is a list of things that you can do, work, that you get paid for because you do it, the wages, then the wages of sin is death. That if you think that, that you have to pray so many hours a day to be saved, that's going to separate you from what God is doing because for you, the life of God will not be real until you get finished praying that X amount of hours a day. When right in the middle of that, the life of God was very real, very available. And this keeps us praying and thinking ahead of what God is doing. We try to live in the future, and God is the God of the ever-present now. Amen. So it, it is a different way of thinking. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, that which God gives without, without requirement, the gift of God is that you can be always connected, always in his life, always in his, his living, always in his light. That is the gift of God. Aharit. You see, it's, it's so ingrained in Scripture. Now, look with me at Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, verse 19, and chapter 4, 1 through 3. I want you to see this in this passage of Scripture, because the writer was talking about the children of Israel. And he was explaining what happened. Explaining why it didn't quite work out. Just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. How many want to provoke God? You see, he's living and speaking in the ever-present now. And if you try to live beyond that, or try to gripe and complain about what's happening now, then you take yourself out of that, and it provokes him. Why? Because he has provided that which you need for now. As in the day of trial in the wilderness where your father's tried me. You see that? God's thinking is not that children of Israel were going through a trial in the wilderness. God's thinking was, <laughs> they're trying me. They're, they're, they're doing this thing. And their fathers tried me by testing me, and they saw my works for 40 years. Go ahead. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. And they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil. Get that? An evil? What's evil? It's an unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day by day as long as it's still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Keep going. So we see that they were not able to enter into what? Into rest because of unbelief. Therefore, let us fear 
If while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to come short of it. For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest. Just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Okay, we'll get to that one in a moment. There is so much in that little scripture, but I want to just let it sink in for just a moment as you think, of, think about how plainly that's stated. You see, when people are not connected with that which is happening from God in the now, then they get themselves in a little bit of trouble. Because if you're not careful, you begin to think, well, we have these promises. Can I say to you, these promises are spoken for who's received them in the now. They're given to us, and if they become alive in us in the now, then they're ours. But I can quote David's promises all I want to, and until that becomes mine in the now, I've got no business messing with it. Because it belonged to him, and it belongs to God, and it's not yet speaking to me. You see, a lot of times we, we've decided in our minds what it is that we will accept. So we try to connect the physical evidence with whether or not God is with us. And that's a, that's a real mistake because it's about... It, look at the, the scripture that was just up there in Zechariah. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, first of all, I want you to understand that there are many attributes of God. One of the attributes of God, is, and you'll have to search this out on your own because we don't have time to do it this morning, but he always shows up right in the midst of our battle. Right when we need him, he shows up. And a lot of times we miss his showing up. Why? Because we're so busy arguing and complaining and griping to everybody around us and griping at God about what's happening that we don't realize he's right there. But one of his attributes is he always shows up right in the midst of your battle. Another one of his attributes is he's always the master gardener. He's always out there checking the fruit and seeing what's ready to be produced and, and taking care of that thing. Another thing is, is he's, he's the God that heals. That's one of the attributes of God. But there's many of them. But this one is talking about the umbrella attributes that are over all the other attributes. And that is might and power. God is always, over everything he does, hangs might and power. Why? Because he's God and that's part of who he is. That's just part of who he is. But now, if we focus on the might and the power, we miss the fact that it's the Holy Spirit that, that is there. And that it's, it's God that's there. It's not just might and power that are present. It's God that's present. Now, why does that matter? It's because we talk about, oh, he dwells in me. Yeah. With all his attributes. With all his might and all his power. But those things aren't God. He's God. 
So it's the presence, the Holy Spirit's manifestation that lets us know the fact that he indwells us. It lets us know that all of these things that are God are available. They're coming to us, doing the work in us, working out from us. They're all available simply because of the presence. In the presence of God that's in this house right now is everything that he has. It's available. He's there. But those are not the focus. The focus is Him. We come here to serve Him. We come here to worship Him. We come here to acknowledge Him. We leave here to serve Him, to acknowledge Him, to worship Him. We do not leave Him here. He's God. So, this lofty and high thing that, that we're always thinking that, that, that this is going to tell us that if if God really shows up, come on. If God really shows up, I just grit my teeth when I, when I read these things and say, well, God really showed up today. Hey, he was there all the time. Amen. He didn't show up. You finally showed up. Yeah. <laughs> just think about it, though. If we constantly say, well, I've got to have people falling down under the power so I'll know that God's here, then you misdirected your focus from him to a manifestation. It's not by might nor by power. It's by his spirit, by the fact that we know he has come and he has joined himself to men. He began to understand before the foundations of the world that men would not accept him unless he came and dwelled among them. So he did that, full of grace and truth. And now he dwells among men, still full of grace and truth. But wonder of wonders, he dwells within men, full of grace and truth. And it's not by might nor by power. But if we begin to understand that in the presence is everything that I need, everything that pertains to life and godliness, it's in that. Think of that. The First John chapter 2, verse 20. We have an anointing from the Holy One. Verse 27. The anointing that we have abides with us. It takes up residence. It lives within us. What's the significance of that? That means that when you were in such a tight spot that it was unreal, you didn't know how you were going to get out, and from nowhere it seems like there, there came a supply in the mail or from somebody you didn't expect it, but a supply happened. It might have been a repair to your house. It might have been money. It might have been whatever. But something beyond the normal happened and bailed you out. That's because he has all might. He has all power. He's there with you. He knows your need even before you say it. But that thing happens not just to bless you, hear me, but to school you. Now the next time you're in a tight spot, you need to understand it's not about that same manifestation. It's not about that check in the mail, but it's about who indwells you and who surrounds you, and the supply is there. It's in him. And you can then rest because God doesn't abuse his children, although we accuse him of that quite regularly. Well, if God would just, well, come on now. Uh, I prayed, but God didn't hear me. Or I love this one. All we can do is pray. The most you can do is pray. Now, you see, 
when we begin to understand that these manifestations, and what a wonder they are. I love them. I love to be around it. I love to see it. But that's not who he is. He's God. It's just naturally what he does when he's around. Now get that one to settle down. And you ever seen anybody healed? I have. And the reason that he allowed me to see that was to school me and let me know he's the healer. Amen. You know, Chelsea is sometimes has a tendency to get migraines. When I first met her, it was very, very regularly. But, but now it's not, not so regular. Why? Because God let us be successful sometimes in agreeing together that thing would go away and it's just like taking a pill. It would be recede and recede and recede and it's gone. Now I'm surprised when it don't go away. Surprised and a little bit aggravated come back at it and say, you know who you're messing with. It's not me and Chelsea. It's our God. And he's here. That's part of who he does. He's the healer. And so we begin to look at that and just expect there's an expectation that comes and I can relax in that because I'm not worried that it's going to be an aneurysm and, and she's going to go. I'm just saying that thing needs to get out of there because it's naturally who God is. On the backside, aharit, on the backside of understanding is the manifestation of God or the manifestation of darkness. Now, I mentioned two Sundays ago about there are two streams that we can drink from. There's many, but there's two that, are, that cover most of it. And one of them is, is that stream where you watch the news all the time and that's what you feed on. Oh, things are so bad. It's, 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 it's just going to get worse, I'm telling you. And maybe. But why are you drinking from that stream? Because there's a stream that flows out from the throne of God that makes glad the city of God. And no matter what's happening over here in this stream, in this stream it's just going to get better. And it's going to, the Bible says you're going to pass from glory to glory until the righteous break forth and shine like the noonday sun. I can get glad about that. Yeah, all this stuff is happening alongside and it might affect me. But it's not ultimately going to change my destination because my destination is to live in the fullness of God. And it's there for me. And you might be thinking, well, you, you just don't know how my family treats me. Does that really matter? How does God treat you? Does he indwell you? Can you sense his presence? Is, is he locked into you? If he is, then everything else don't matter. It just simply don't matter. What matters is you're a child of God and you're moving forward and things are happening in you. You're beginning to get understanding and walking through life that he indwells you. And on the back side of that, it's a wonderful thing because I walk through life with peace, righteousness, and joy. Because when I understand that he indwells me, it makes me treat people different. You know, he don't indwell you just on Sunday morning and then let you act like the devil himself outside of here as you talk to your wife or as you talk to your co-workers or even as you talk to yourself. God is God and he's take, taken up residence in you and part of the agitation that comes to mankind is because we're constantly resisting the flow of the spirit from the inside of us and I'm telling you the spirit don't quit flowing he just builds up pressure and builds up pressure and builds up pressure until something breaks. Yeah. 
Hopefully it'll be you. You break and, and let it all come forth and begin to work in him. And the Bible says these signs will follow those who believe. I don't have to go searching for the signs. All I have to do is believe and continue to realize that there is a process going on in me. And if I live up to that process, then the glory of God will begin to shine more and more and more through me. And if the devil's hanging around, he won't be very comfortable. I hear people saying, well, I'm just trying to get the devil out of my house. Well, live such a way that he'll get so uncomfortable you won't even have to worry about that. Because if he's hanging around, it's because something, somebody's doing is making him comfortable. Get him out. Hmm. And if he stays there, he's kind of stubborn. If he stays there, just ignore him. He hates that. And if you actually see a manifestation, laugh at him. He really hates that. I think of so many stories of things that we've faced in various places that, that other people were afraid of. And it's not because we were this great, big, brave group of people. It's that we understood our God. A mighty warrior is my God. I don't have to be. I'm telling you, it's Christian modern mythology that says that we have this battle that we got to wage. He waged the battle. There's no tremendous war going on in the heavenlies. Now, there's a battle goes on in our mind that we have to overcome, but I'm telling you that the enemy is defeated. And we need to live in that. And to realize that, yeah, there's sometimes I face some difficulties, but I'm learning, and as I learn, I will begin to understand God. And as I understand God, that the backside of that is that His glory begins to shine forth from me, and people get uncomfortable around me. Well, if I, if I, if I live like that, people won't like me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Live in a way that people see God as you live. And live out there. I mean, be willing to say it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. This is so important. What Mary preached last week and what you'll be hearing more from various ones for a while. I, I've had to repent on this deal because I realize that there's a lot of things I see God do and I just rejoice inside. <sighs> but I don't say it. And the, the devil can read my expressions, maybe. But he can't hear my cry of hallelujah on the inside. He can't hear the story. So he just keeps pushing, keeps pushing, keeps pushing, thinking he's winning. Guess what? You begin to speak up. And he realizes he has to back off. Why? Because you're causing the powers of darkness to understand that you're being schooled by God. The Bible says that as, as human beings, we discipline just because of what seems good to us. But your father disciplines and brings discipline in your life so that in the end, you can be all you can be in him and to bring that glory to fruition. Just understand these difficulties you're going through, they're no big deal because there is a greater weight of glory to be revealed in you. And there's a greater measure of God to be revealed out from you. And God wants to work these, through these things to help us, help us to do the right things. Now, 
These signs follow those who believe. Aharit. We, 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 man, so much of the church world is seeking signs. I, Jesus rebuked the scribes and Pharisees. He said, you seek after a sign, but none will be given to you. But if you begin to follow in righteousness, then, then the signs will just kind of follow along. You'll be, you'll be thinking, wow, something happened there that, that was outside of God. And you'll begin to realize that his natural is becoming your natural. Why? Because you're living his way. And he'll begin to set you free in areas. I tell you, if you begin to live close to God, those things you're battling with will just fall off. They, don't, they won't be important anymore. You'll wake up one morning and realize, hey, I don't need that. No, I don't need that. I don't need that. Why? Because you're coming so close to God that his fire is beginning to touch you. And it's beginning to burn away all of the dross of this, of this culture around us. And the thing is, is it's very plain in what we read in Hebrews that you can't enter his rest without knowing his ways. And we need to understand that miracles instruct us. We see miracles, but those miracles are instruction, letting us know that this is what God does, and this is what he's drawing you to. This is what indwells you. This is what can be released out from you. This is who he is. This, who he is, is God. What he does is all of these things of, of power and glory and might. But it's not by might, not by power, by his spirit. Because it's just what he does. He's there. It's no big deal. It's no huge manifestation. It's just what he does. And Mary was given a testimony a couple of weeks ago in one of our team meetings. And I was sitting there thinking... Nobody has just nailed this thing in the physical and just stood up to it and, and tried to turn it. Just live life. There he is. <laughs> He's just doing things. And you look at it. If you give witness to it as you go, you'll be amazed at what it does for you. I've been so blessed. I've been communicating with Mary and more than Betty because Betty's been, she's been going through some stuff and, and been on some medication and stuff that makes the conversations kind of funny at times. You know, Damon talked about that. And uh, Mary, and I'm listening to him, and I, I hope he watches this. I doubt it, but I hope he does. But I'm watching his mind turn. Instead of thinking, uh, it's not going to happen, he's thinking, it's getting better. Today's better. Today she's laughing more. Today they're helping. Today they're telling us that she'll be able to walk. Today, today, today. Hey, the hand of God is at work. You say, well, she had surgery. Well, who gave them the knowledge? I think it's a wonder, this thing that, that, that has happened, that they put this hip joint in her, whichever side it's on, that is not made out of steel, but it's made out of some poly something. And in that hip joint is antibiotics that will be released in her system every time she moves for the rest of her life. And causing that virus that's inside of her to not have any chance to take hold again. I, can you see God's hand might be in that? I was listening to her talk about that and she, she was through the heavy pain medication by then and I'm thinking... Man, that's God. 
So I said it out loud, and Betty starts laughing. She said, it has to be God. That in, in some places we've been, they hadn't even heard of this. But God told me that I should go here. I went here, and guess what? God is involved. Coming back tomorrow, going to be in rehab for a while, but who knows? I know this, God is involved, and when he's involved, nothing else matters. You know, there's been times in my life when I know the powers of darkness has gathered to try to stop us in various things that we've done. That don't matter. What do you do in those times? Do you stop and drop to your knees and weep and cry and start screaming at demons? No. Just keep moving. Keep going. I'm thinking of an old country song now, but I won't quote that in this message. But I'm telling you, sometimes you just need to keep on going. And just know that it's all right. I can remember there were times when, when my wife was so sick, Leslie's mother, and, and at night she would be trying to sleep, and you'd just, hear, you'd just hear sounds like a hurt animal over there. And I remember those times when I would wake up and I'd say, God, there's nothing we can do, but you've got to help. And then I fought it through for the rest of the night. Nope, went back to sleep. Because it's out of my hands and in his hands. And he helped every time. There's been times that, and I don't even know if Leslie remembers this or not, but she was 11 years old and we stepped, she was working inner city ministry with us in Kansas City. We stepped around the edge of one of the buildings and bullets started slapping into the wall beside us. We just stepped back around the corner for a few minutes until it died down. Anything we could do? No. Did we drop to our knees and say, oh, God, help us? No. He was already helping us. They missed. And they ran out of bullets. And then we just kept on across the yard because by then they were running knowing the cops would be coming. Folks, it's more than just something that, that we think we've got to battle this thing. Jesus fought the war. And he made it work. And now I just need to live it. You say, what about those that die in his service? <laughs> what a wonderful thing. To stand before God and he'd say, man, you took it all away, didn't you? Even unto death. Even unto death. You took it that far. I, I'd love for him to say that. Do I want to die out there somewhere? Not really. But I don't care if I do. Why? Because it's not this life that I'm holding on to. It's his life. And I know that you could pull a gun out and shoot me down right now. And I'll live on. This body, do what you want with it, but I live on. You say, well, that's kind of odd. Yeah, I'm odd. I'm, to this world, I'm odd. I serve God. If the powers of darkness want to come and sleep in my bedroom, they can come. They're going to get nervous, but they can come. They got nothing to do with me. You say, oh, you don't want to, we want to watch what you say. Why? He's been defeated. He's always before the throne of God, the accuser of the brethren. God says he won't hear the accusation, so who's hearing the accusations? We are. If we'll quit hearing the accusations, we'll be, we'll be all right. Folks, you're more saved than you know, but you were more lost than you know. And God is bringing you into a place of 
this unveiled glory to where you see him face to face. Now, if you see him face to face, who you are won't live. You'll become another person. But it's not impossible to see him. Man, I want to see him. I remember that old Pentecostal song, I want to see him. Look on his face. And I'm not talking about out there somewhere now. I want to live in this life looking on the face of God. And I want to be all about this presence. I don't, you know, we see a lot of signs and wonders in various places and various times. We don't ever go looking for them. They follow. I've seen it follow so many times where the power of God would break through. I remember times I tried to make them happen. Those were embarrassing times. Nothing happened. But the times that we just let God do what God does, then it began to happen. It's totally alien to modern theology because we, we have, as Americans have thought that surely if it is of God, that since we're so surely blessed in, in the way that we've handled this nation, you, you understand how goofy that is. And because we're such a Christian nation, and come on, as a nation, we're so lost. But as a people, we're so saved. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you that if we'll just understand that God is doing something and he's not going to bless us because we're Americans. He's not going to bless us because we're from Great Britain. He's not going to bless us because we're some Af from Africa. But he'll bless us because we're his children. And if we'll let him, we'll find out things become smooth and the rest of God comes on us. Why? Because we know he's got it. He's handling it. And then we find out that this is what it's all about, is beginning to speak what he has said and to speak what he's doing, even the most minute thing, to talk about it, say it, speak it out. This new church in Fargo, they, they're just doing so well. And all those young kids, we, we, their leadership team, we sat in the room with their leadership team for about three hours on Monday night. And, and I think the oldest one on that team was 31. And the rest of them, I'm telling you, they were guys that were grabbing hold of this thing in God. And they were going to move with it. They're going to do something. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is what it looks like. That no matter how old you are, you begin to see that God has really changed you. Over the past three weeks, God has begun to talk to me about something that I want to close with. And that is his part of the covenant. <clears throat> I don't know about you. This is probably just me. But if you're not careful, you get so caught up, so caught up in what your part of the covenant is. How, oh, I've got to do this, and this, I want to keep covenant. First of all, God interjected something to me and re reminded me that I am not the covenant keeper. He is. I'm not the covenant maker. He is. And then he said, there are many things I'll do in your life because I made covenant with my son. He paid the price, and now I'll do things in your life so that you can learn. I'll put you in school. I'll do things. You learn from those things. You'll be learning who you are and how you have to live to get there, but know that I will do it. 
Not because of what you do and the scriptures you memorize and how you pray and what you do and how you fast. That's not why. He does it because Jesus paid the price and that we inherit through that. And He does it in our lives. He will be who He is because He's the covenant maker, the covenant keeper, and He sends His Spirit as a covenant representative. And all we have to do is realize that we receive through inheritance. What a wonder. What a wonder. It's not about what I do now. It's about who He is. And this presence that's, that's around and we sense it. We know it's here. It's the covenant representative talking to us. Saying, come on now, we're going to do this thing. And I thought, they're walking on the reservation in North Dakota and then we drove through another reservation or two coming home and I thought of how many times on those reservations that we've seen people's lives so dramatically changed. And it's all because of Him, not because of us. And how many of those people's lives are still changed? And how many of them now that I'm starting to get messages and phone calls and, and emails from saying, we're going to do some things in North Dakota. We know, that, we know that this coming back is a coming together of the people that God has done some things with, and we want to be a part of it. I, I sent one back to a couple of people recently that said, when are you coming next time? Because we want to have a gathering on Fort Berthold. And I said, I'm not sure, but sometime in the summertime probably. And they said, let us know a couple of weeks ahead of time because we want a gathering of people from different reservations to come there. And I'm thinking, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because these are people that were touched by God a few years back and a denomination killed it because they couldn't control it. They thought they killed it, but guess what? It has grown and expanded and grown and expanded until there's probably as many serving God on those reservations as formerly they were, they were serving the old ways. And it's God. It's not us. We stood apart and watched it. But now God is saying, I want to do a gathering again. And I want to see things start to happen. I just talked with a man two or three days ago that hadn't heard from him in years. He heard we were at Newtown and he, he sent a message via messenger and and said, is this who I think it is? And I said, well, I don't know who you think I am, but yeah. And, <laughs> you know, it, he's, a, he's a very familiar man. He said, man, God's doing something in Indian country again. And he's right. His name's Dobie Weasel. And he's just, he's seeing so many things happen right now that he can't believe it. But he said, there needs to be a bringing together of the people of God because in a scattered way, there's a lot happening in Indian country. And I said, well... You watch, it'll come together because God will bring it together. It won't be a man, but it'll be God. He'll bring it together. And, you know, I've, I've told Damon this several times. That, yeah, right now you're on one reservation, but you get ready because God's going to use you as a gathering point for several reservations up there. And you get ready to do this. You build from the beginning the people that will run what you're doing because you're going to be doing it on a bigger scale. And he already knew that. It was no news to him. God had already been talking to him about it. Folks, I'm telling you, it's not just there, but it is around the world that God is beginning to do something, and it's a wonderful thing. Now, the question is, you want to be a part? 
Or do you want to fight devils? <laughs> you hear me? Because all you got to do is say, okay, God. We'll just put that in the past. You say, well, I, I really felt the evil presence this morning. So, if you walk out that door, you're going to feel an evil presence somewhere if you get sensitive to it. But you know what? I felt a holy presence this morning. I felt an awesome presence this morning. When I got up and started working on things this morning, I was thinking, oh, God, how am I going to be able to say all of this? Because you're doing so much, and God, I just want to present what it is that you have. But the thing is, is we're <clears throat> in many areas, we're working on the blessing side of the aharit of God. That he's done some things and we've learned some things and, and we've seen some things and we know it's God but we also know that we're not to worship those things. And we just keep moving and we realize that now what's coming behind looks as good as what's in front. And you look at it and you see, the, you see what God said. I believe it's in Deuteronomy. Don't hold me to that. Look it up. You can find it. Where he said, if you live like this, my blessing will overtake you in the way. And uh, the, the picture in the Hebrew there is if you live like this, the blessing of God's going to come up behind you and run over you. I'm ready for that, aren't you? Just leave me in the dirt, God. Do this thing. I want to see these people that we've won to God. I want to see them out there doing it. I don't even want them to remember that they found God through our ministry. I want, you to, I want them to remember that they found God. I don't want them to remember signs and wonders. I want them to remember God and that He'd done a wonderful work in their soul. That's all I want them to remember. Because in the end, we're all family. And we all have this thing to do, these responsibilities to fulfill. And I just, I just can't wait to see what God's going to do. Here, there, and everywhere. And... I know that I'm old enough now that I'm not going to have a big part in it like I did before. I'm not going to, it's just not going to happen. And I don't really want it to happen. I kind of like hanging out here with you guys when I can. But some of you, you're going to be taking the power of God into your workplace and realizing, yeah, the pressure of the enemy comes against you. It's no big deal. Why? Because I'm on a mission for the king. And he indwells me. And, and this presence that I sense, this, this wonder of the presence that is in me, when, when I realize that, then everything he is is there. Salvation, deliverance, and healing is in me. And I just need to take it to the right places. You say, well, you don't know the trials I've been going through. Then don't make them trials. Make them blessing. You don't know the blessing I'm going through. Yeah, I've gone through some stuff, but man, oh man, when I get out to the other side, look out. Look out because there's going to be more of God manifesting through me. There's going to be more of this thing start to happen. And I'm going to be realizing that God himself has taken up residence in me and is working out from me. And to do that, he's got to kick down some things in me. But he can do that. Many are the names of God. Many are the names of God. And every one of them is describing who he can be. But one of the things is a mighty warrior is our God. He don't need me to fight those battles. He does it. 
sometimes I can't help but smile when, when I have things come against me. I just smile because I don't know what to do with it. But I know he does. I, I could yell and scream and rebuke and cry and, and accuse God of not treating me right and accuse people of not treating me right. Or I could just say, well, we're learning here. <laughs> and we're learning here. We're going to learn what it is to walk in this. And on the other side, I'm going to have the glory of God showing, flowing through me. I pass from glory unto glory. Until what? Until it breaks forth like the noonday sun. And I'm okay with that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you bow your head for a moment, please? Hallelujah. Father, there are so many things that you've done in our lives that we need to give witness to. God, not that everybody needs pulpit time. That's not what I'm talking about. But everybody needs to realize in day-to-day -day life that they have you at work right now and that they can give witness to that. And God, some of the changes have been so amazing. If you will just, in this moment, begin to call people's mind back to the amazing changes that has been happening in their lives. God, if you'll do that, it'll change the face of everything. But God, help us to live with the knowledge that it's not just me that lives, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. This wonder that you gave to men lives in me. And God, that, that changes everything. All of a sudden, I'm not... I don't care how many demons might be around me. Not a big deal. I don't really care whether I physically live or physically die. It's not a big deal. Because Christ lives in me. And he's my hope of approval. God, touch every heart right now. and Help them to see the moment that they're living in. Lord, take them back if necessary. Let them see where they came from. But God, don't let us forget the wonder of a changed life. And God, help my life to change, passing from glory unto glory unto glory until it begins to break forth in me like the noonday sun. God, I want you. I need you. I love you. Help that to be the cry of every person. In Jesus' name, amen.